Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. I'm shepherding a bunch of young kids who are constantly facing the, the you know, that wrestling with that of like, hey, well, all my, my friends and the parties and, and the drinking, it's there. And if I don't, then man, I feel like I'm left out or like I'm a loser because I'm not joining in. They're battling through these very real scenarios within their lives. And if they see people that they look up to doing it, for them, it's a green light. And you got to understand, kids, the frontal lobe hasn't fully developed yet. Well, so-and-so did it so I can do it. Is that what you want? That's not what you want. All too often, we approach sin with the mindset of how much can I get away with or how close can I get to it? As Pastor James will challenge us in today's message, instead of taking that mindset, we should seek to live lives that glorify God as much as possible. If there's something that we're allowed to do, something that isn't designated as sin, but it could lead to temptation for us or for someone around us, then is it really worth it? Why not invest yourself in things that edify and build up instead? Now here's Pastor James in the book of Galatians chapter 5 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. listen to the Lord, because he has a lot to say about things of such nature, okay? So, but this sorcery, the witchcraft, the pharmakia, this is like taking your mind, it's a mind-altering substance. Uh, You are not like, you can't do this and worship God at the same time. You know that, right? Like, that's common sense, because when you leave your mind and then you're expected to worship God in that way, How? How? God's made you mind, body, and soul. You can't subtract one of those things. You need all three of them. So don't take anything that's going to take your mind out of the equation. That's what they were doing, though. That's just what part of their practice. Let's go on to more of like um, social kind of issues. So you got uh, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. The next one would be enmity. The other way to say that is hatred. Hate Surprisingly so, is a work of the flesh. (laughs) You're like, really? Yeah, it is. Yeah, so when somebody says they hate somebody else, that's a work of the flesh, period. But, but, no buts, no buts. But I didn't mean that word. Well, then don't say it. Then don't say it. If you didn't mean it, then don't say it. That's foolish. Oh, I hate that guy. What do you do? You know that's sin, right? Oh, no, I didn't mean it like that. Well, then don't say it. I got a problem with that guy. Okay, that's, that's fine. Let's talk about that. I got an issue with so-and-so. Okay, I think you're just kind of using the same words, but let's talk about that. Hate towards any group of people is literally what this is talking about because the word there, enmity, it, that it translated, it's hate, which is plural. So it's speaking of groups, enmity or hatred between groups or groups of people or tribes or whatever else you want, to, you want to throw into there. Hatred is a work of the flesh. It's a work of the flesh. And again, context-wise, we're talking about within the body too, okay? Because Paul's addressing the body here. What, people were hating each other inside the church? Yeah, yeah, you know that still happens today, right? 
Yeah, it does. People hate each other in church? Yeah, they do. And it's, it's sad. We're brothers and sisters. We're brother- the church is one body. Would it make any sense if this part of, side of my body hated the other side of my body? That wouldn't make any sense. Hatred is a work of the flesh. It's a work of the flesh. It's enmity. Strife. This is a result of hatred. Strife or discord is a natural result of hate. This, this strife, this discord, this, this tearing apart, if, if I could describe it in another way. It's a result of hate. So when there's hatred in your heart towards somebody, guess what? That relationship, whatever it may have been, is going to be ripped apart. Because that's what hate does. Because guess what? That's what sin does and has done from the very beginning. That's our biggest problem. Back in the garden, sin came in and it ripped apart a relationship between humanity and God. So you have discord. Um, uh, New Living Translation talks about its, its hostility uh, and its quarreling. That's the other word for discord. Um, jealousy. Jealousy is basically, it's just being self-centered. Okay? It's self-centered. If you're a jealous person, you're a self-centered person. That's, you just boil it down as simple as that, right? You're only thinking about yourself. That's it. That's it. You're just thinking about yourself. Um, if that's, that should be an easy one for us to understand. I don't think I have to define that. But So you got jealousy. You also have um, outbursts of anger, or I like how ESV says, fits of rage. You ever have a toddler in your house? Fits of rage right there. Man. Can you explain it? No. Can you reason with it? Not at all. Not at all. Um, fits of rage, fits of anger, outburst of temper, or think of it like this, an eruption. Where does that come from? The suppression, suppressing, 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 never dealing with anything. You're in a relationship with somebody, and they do something, and they keep saying something, and you're just like, bury it down, push it down, push it down, push it down. Pressure's going to happen, and it's going to explode. What you need to do is actually listen to what the Word of God says about this and says, don't let the sun go down on your anger or your wrath. Why? I don't want to talk to so-and-so. Oh, it'll come out. It'll come out, and it's going to be messy when it does. So you might as well just say, you know what? Can we talk? Can we talk? I'm having an issue. I'm having an issue. You keep saying this, and I'm hearing it like this, and it's causing issues. It's conflict management, and you got to work through it. You got to work through it. You got to be willing to hear and willing to be able to speak with love and truth and all that stuff. But strife, hatred, and strife and jealousy, it all will reveal itself in fits of anger or fits of rage. You have um, rivalries. That's the ESV mentions rivalries. It's kind of coupled within, you know, that's just that. Since, especially within the church world of like, assuming one group is better than another, and you can apply that to humanity as well. Um, it's, just, it's just walking around with the notion that like, your, whoever you associate with or whatever is better than so-and-so or whatever. It all fits within this selfish kind of mentality that is uh, actually, it's a, it's, it's a work of the flesh. He goes on to say, um, selfish ambition uh, it's using others to get ahead. That's selfish ambition, okay? Ambition's not wrong. Please hear me say this. Ambition is not wrong. 
You can have drive in this life. You should have drive. You should absolutely have drive. You should have goals. You should be working towards those goals and all that good stuff. But selfish ambition is you are willing to step on or over anybody in order to get what you want. People are expendable. People are a means to an end. That's selfish ambition, and that's wrong. That's just wrong. Goes on. A lot of words here. I think it's 17 works of the flesh. 17 works of the flesh. It's crazy. So he goes on with the next one. Envy. Envy is a wrongful desire to possess what doesn't, what doesn't belong to you or what belongs to somebody else. That's to be envious of someone is you're wanting what they have. And it's not just like admiring or appreciating like, oh, so-and-so got a new car. Oh, that's cool. Well, yeah, I'm happy for them. Oh, that'd be nice. You know, it's not like that. It's just like fixating on like, and then it's, it's running it back through your mind constantly and continually like, and then you'll go to these places where it's like, well, why them? Why them? Why did they get that new thing? Why not me, Lord? Why haven't you blessed me with that? And it's like, no, no, no. Envy is desiring a wrongful desire to possess what belongs to somebody else. Drunkenness. Oh, here's a fun one. Um, drunkenness. I don't even need to define this, but here you go. Um, excess use of strong drink, okay? Let me say this. It is a sin to be drunk, okay? I don't, this is, should be of no surprise. Is drinking a sin? Can you have a glass of wine? Have a glass of wine. I don't care. That's fine. When you get drunk, that is sin. And that is a sin that has to be repented of. Should Christians drink? I don't know. Who are you with? Who are you around? Should, here's a better question. Shouldn't Christians be more aware? Be more aware of who they're hanging out with? Because here's the deal. You might have freedom or liberty to drink a glass of wine or maybe throw back a beer. That's fine. You have the freedom to do that. But let me ask you this. Who's watching you? Who's watching you? Is it somebody who just kicked an alcohol addiction that consumed 40 plus years of their lives and maybe just got saved and they're watching somebody and they're like, what's going through their mind? They're like, man, I didn't know, I didn't know we could drink. I struggled with alcoholism for this many years and I've encountered these issues. I've encountered these issues serving in the church for many years. And these questions always come up, especially if you work in youth ministry. These questions are going to come up. Hey, is it, can we drink? Is that okay? I'm like, and I always tell them, I'm like, well, how old are you? Oh, yes. Well, then no. No, you shouldn't even be thinking about that. But I understand because I used to be that age. And well, to be honest, we did. All right. So, but it, it's kind of, you, you deal with these questions because I've, I've had people come to me and they say, hey, so, so-and-so who serves in this ministry role I just ran into them last night, and they were plastered. What do you think about that? Well, I think that's sin. I think that's sin. I don't care what their church policy is. They let their pastors drink. That's what, they sinned. And not only did they sin by becoming drunk, are you leading people astray? Because and at that point in time, when I was asked these questions, I'm shepherding a bunch of young kids who are constantly facing the... the you know, that wrestling with that of like, hey, well, all my, my friends and the parties and, and the drinking, it's there. And if I don't, then man, I feel like I'm left out or like I'm a loser because I'm not joining in. They're battling through these very real scenarios within their lives. And if they see people that they look up to doing it, for them, it's a green light. And you got to understand, kids, the frontal 
lobe hasn't fully developed yet. Well, so-and-so did it so I can do it. Is that what you want? That's not what you want. In the privacy of your home, if you have a glass of wine, enjoy that glass of wine. Enjoy that glass of wine. That's between you and the Lord. I, and I've, I've told you guys this many times, I will not make rules where the Bible does not specifically state as rules. That's called legalism. It's called legalism. As for me and my house, my wife and I, we don't drink. We do not drink. We don't. Alcohol has been a problem for my family. Alcohol was a problem for my wife's family, okay? So we vowed, I vowed as a sophomore in high school, not saved. I was like, you know what? I think I'm headed down the wrong path, and I'm going to stop. And I stopped, completely separate from the Lord. You know, I didn't, I I think it really was the Lord working on me because I think my tendency would be to become an alcoholic, if I'm honest. My wife watched her grandmother deteriorate because of heavy drinking. We've made the decision, that's not what we're going to do. And I don't need a church policy to tell me that. That's already a personal conviction of mine. But between you and the Lord, you make that, you make that decision. What all I ask as a pastor is, who is watching you? Who is watching you? And really, it's not going to hurt you to wait till you get home to have that drink. And if you can't wait till you get home to have that drink, then you have a problem. You have an addiction problem. Plain and simple. Drunkenness is a work of the flesh. It is sin. It is sin. And it leads to the next thing. More times than not. Not all the time, but more times than not. Let's see, what's the, what's the next one? Oh, um, wild parties, uh, kind of. Um, well, that's what the New Living Translation says. My ESV says orgies, which we all know what that means, okay? And I don't think I need to define that because I have young ears um, in the room. But uh, this was happening in, in, the, in this region of Galatia. And part of it with these guys, the, the drunkenness and things like that, um, there was a worship of a, a false god uh, what was his name? I think I wrote it down here. I can't see it anymore. But, um, oh, no, it's uh, the orgies. This was all in partnership with drunkenness. Drunken carousings is, is really what that word means. Um, it was commonly associated with the worship of uh, Bacchus, if that's how you say that, the god of wine. So they would worship at this temple, which often involved temple prostitutes. Um, so they get wasted, and then they would indulge in these parties. Uh, these parties of just debauchery. It's on the list. It's a work of the flesh. It doesn't even need to go on explaining what that means. But therein, therein lies your list. Works of the flesh. Oh, and uh, in case you think you can get away with anything else, you're like, well, he didn't say this. Let me read the next part. It says this, the drunkenness, the orgies, and things like this. <laughs> or things like these, okay? You're like, there's Paul the lawyer, okay? There he is. He's just like, you know what? This list could go on and on and on. So what I'm going to do is, is put this blanket statement kind of deal out there and say, hey, listen, if it falls into these categories, it's a work of the flesh. But what about, hey, just read back through the list. If it falls within the category, it's a work of the flesh. And I got a few minutes to walk through these fruits of the Spirit. Oh, man. Here's the encouragement. So this is, uh, here, here's the one thing, okay? Uh, I warn you, as, as I said before, this is Paul going on. 
as I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things or those who habitually indulge in such things or those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Writing to believers, does that mean they'll lose their salvation? No, but Paul is bringing into question the very real question of like, are you even saved? Like, let's start there. Let's start there. Because if you look and if your life is like, I'm doing all these things all the time, Paul would be like, um, I question whether or not you actually got saved. So let's run through that gospel thing again, because Jesus has set you free not to indulge in your fleshly desires, but to set you free of your fleshly desires. So that's why that's there, that portion of scripture. It's a good wake-up call. It's a good check for all of us. Now, if you've gone through that list and you're like, oh man, I think I'm guilty of well, like almost all of these things. Um, if I had 17 fingers, I might have to hold them all up. But hey, listen, <clears throat> here's how you approach this. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And when I look at this list, I, and I for sure, I look at this list and I'm thinking like, man, that's a very accurate list of what my life used to be like before Jesus. And Lord, my flesh still wrestles with this stuff. And so, I, you know what, Lord? I, man, if any of this stuff is found in me, Lord, I repent. I repent. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me for when, I, for when I'm doing this or when I find myself being envious or, or being hate, hateful towards someone or certain thing or I have an outburst of, of rage or if I'm struggling with, uh, you know, adultery or adulterous thoughts or anything like, Lord, will you please just forgive me of that? And guess what? He does. He does. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a good wake-up call for all of us. But the fruit of the Spirit, let's go through these real quick. Love, it's the foundation fruit, okay? That's why it's first. Love, agape, this is self-sacrificing love. That's what that is. It's putting others before yourself. It is modeling what Jesus did here on this planet. It's agape love. Joy, deep and abiding inner rejoicing that is not touched by circumstances because it's too deep within you. The world might be going nuts around you, but you can still have joy. You can still have joy. And it doesn't mean that you're out of touch. It just means that you're tapping down deep into something that, has been stored, that you've been storing up or that Jesus himself, it's a gift from Christ that he has given to you. Peace, another gift from Jesus. Inner response and quietness. Wow, how we need that nowadays. Just peacefulness. Peacefulness within my own heart. Because I don't know about you, but... When I see the stuff and the headlines and whether it's a virus that's going to maybe kill everybody or maybe not, we don't even know anymore. And then it's groups, people that I really care about that feel like they're unloved and not really cared about. It really shakes me. It really shakes me. And what I, what I man, what I find myself going back to constantly is like, Lord, please let your peace that surpasses all understanding fill my heart and my mind. Because a Christian who's rattled, man, is, 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 not, is not too great of a witness, right? A Christian who's freaking out doesn't make the best witness all the time, okay? Especially for unbelievers who are like, look, I need peace, and you're telling me Jesus can give you that, but you don't look very peaceful at all. So is this real or not? And you're like, okay, take a breath. <sighs> okay, yes, let me center myself. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it really is. We got to chill out. Find that quietness. Patience, it's forbearance under uh, provocation or 
basically this, if somebody's getting in your face, if somebody's annoying you, if somebody's riding on your tail as you're driving down the road, patience, it's patience. It's a gift of the Spirit, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Any more of that? Um, kindness, benevolence in action, okay? Taking care of other people and their needs, meeting their needs. Goodness, to do good when it's not deserved, okay? You can be good to somebody even if they don't deserve it. That's a fruit of the Spirit. That's not natural, okay? Let's just say that. None, nothing on this list is natural. It's supernatural. Faithfulness, trustworthy. Gentleness, submissive to God's word. I like this definition. Submissive to God's word and considerate of others. Notice how God's word is key within that definition. Actually, God's word is key to all of these things. But that's gentleness. It's being considerate of others as you are being submissive to God's word. Self-control, self-mastery is what that's talking about, but not apart from the Spirit, okay? You can't will yourself to overcome things, right? Not in the spiritual realm. You're just not gonna, I mean, if I just try hard enough, I'll just, I'll stop having these outbursts of rage. I'll just purpose, I'll just try not to do this stuff. It's not gonna happen apart from Christ. It's just not, it's not. This, you, need this, you need the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you to produce this fruit you know, through your life. The cool thing about fruit-bearing trees is they don't just produce it once. There's, there's a continual producing of fruit throughout that tree's life. So that's the, the fruit of the Spirit there, okay? And then he just goes on to say, Against such things, there's no law. Knock yourself out. Fully indulge in all this stuff. Look, don't indulge in the fleshly things, but you can indulge all you want in this fruits of the Spirit. Okay, it's an all-you-can-eat buffet, basically, of like, knock yourself out. He goes on as just an encouragement. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. He's already told us this before, Galatians 2.20. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited. That's, that can be a problem in the church. Provoking one another, another problem within the church, and envying one another. Those are, again, are all works of the, works of the flesh. But let me just leave you with this, this last little deal. You have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. The desires of the flesh have been, with its passions, have been, past tense, done, have been crucified with Christ. He'll say it one more time in the next chapter, just so you get the point. It has been. Quit living as if it hasn't happened yet. This is the hill from which you fight. You have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. If you struggle with anything, the victory is yours because of Christ Jesus and what he did for you on the cross and the fact that the Holy Spirit resides inside of you. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And you got three who are on your side. God the Father, God the, fun, God the Son, Jesus Christ, I try to combine two words at the same time, my bad, and the Holy Spirit. They're on your side. They're on your side. 
That's all we have time for today on Bread for the Broken. Pastor James has more to share from this study in the book of Galatians, so be sure to join him next time. Just because our time with you is over for today, though, it doesn't mean that you have to stop studying God's Word. We encourage you to pick up your own Bible and dive in wherever God leads you. Each page you read will be life-giving and reveal new things about your Creator. If you ever have any questions or would like to request prayer, please connect with us. You can visit breadforthebroken.com and click on Contact. We have a form there that you can fill out and submit, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. We love hearing from our listeners. Are you in the Galveston area? If so, come join us to worship and study the Bible. Calvary Galveston meets each Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And you can get all the information you need at breadforthebroken.com. Just click on the About tab. If you aren't in the area or you're just not able to be with us in person during this season, that's okay. We're streaming live on Facebook. Just search for Calvary Galveston, or you can head to our church webpage to connect. Before we officially close our time with you today, we'd like to invite you to be a part of what we're doing. Would you prayerfully consider supporting the ministry of Bread for the Broken financially? All amounts given are appreciated, and you can donate securely through our website, breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for supporting us, and thanks for tuning in to Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man, the one love that ain't given.